Welcome to Level 7, Episode 118, Purpose in the Machine, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Season 3, Episode 2. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello, agents. How you doing? It's Ben. Ben Avery, one of your fellow agents who likes to watch a little show we like to call Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because it's a show that's called Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I am joined here by my friend and possibly yours, Dandy Daniel Butcher. And here we are to talk about episode two of season three. Daniel, are you ready for this? Let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, there's really not a lot of preamble to really get through. Uh, there's not much news, although I do have one thing that I'm wanting to talk about in our news. Let, let's news just section. cut through the fat and get to the news, buddy. Let's do it. Or as we like to call it around here. Shield intelligence report. That's what we like to call it. So, Daniel. Yeah. Kinda I went to. Uh, line. What? You kind of stepped on my line. Oh, I thought you were throwing it over. I thought I was. That would have been quick better. on the uptake. <laughs> yeah, I thought if I was. Only I was. <laughs> well, the you know the key in improv is to make sure that it looks like you meant to do what happened. You know, just say yes. And also, yes, you don't say no. Yes, and Daniel, I was trying. Well, this to, got awkward. <laughs> I was trying to rewatch our season premiere. On oh yeah, ABC. You were telling me about this. ABC.com. I well, why didn't you just get on the DVR and rewind it like me? Be, I just don't have that capability right now, and so here I was just wanting to watch the season premiere of a show that they're trying to promote as you know this is getting exciting and getting better, and you watched it before, but it's better now, or you walked away from it, but it's better now, and what do they do? They make it. So that if you do not have cable, if you are not on Hulu Plus, you cannot watch episode one until after episode two has been on already. So like any momentum that they might find from people who are like, oh, maybe I should check that out. Hey, I like that. I better watch episode two now because I liked it so much. That's not going to happen unless you have cable and you've already, you know, input your information, but you have to like. Put in your your stuff to make sure that you're you're actually supposed to be there watching. And so, for those of who may cut the cord in the future, there might be a problem. It's true. It's true. I mean, I never cut the cord because I never had the cord to cut. I understand. I do understand. You know, there's contracts and there's you know advertisers and you know there's there's deals with with cable companies and and all that kind of thing. My thinking though is. Across the board, ABC should be making all of their season premieres available to everyone possible. Because I think it just hurts rather than than helps anything. And now I'm saying this as someone who has enjoyed this show and wants more people to enjoy this show. So there is that. But I, I'm also saying that as a fan. I mean, I don't mind that I didn't get to watch it again. 
that's not that big of a deal. I watched it once. I enjoyed it, but it's it's a. I, I'm, I'm not saying that NBC is doing this to the blind spot. <laughs> NBC is not doing as this. You know, we're not allowed to watch the blind spot. No one watched the blind spot. Well, she's to- her show is totally going to make it, isn't it? Oh, her show, I think, is doing uh, it's, it's getting some good buzz. That's what Man. I'm hearing. I'm hearing good buzz about the show. I haven't watched it. NBC's totally not going to let her come over for a guest spot. Are they? They might. They might. Don't discount it until it happens. Although today's episode might have been a good episode to have Sif. Well, no, maybe mm, no. They can't. Might have. They can't. He doesn't want to see her. That's bad. That's yeah. bad. It might have. Of course, maybe today's episode happened this way because of the fact that she can't be on NBC, (laughs) ABC, because people are watching The Blind Spot. Come on, people. We told you not. We mean no goodwill, no bad will towards Jamie Alexander. We have nothing but love. I think that you do have something other than love in that you want her to lose her job. You want her to not be gainfully employed so she'll come back to our TV show. This is what. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know that well-paying job where you're working every week? Come back and work once a year for us, please. That's what you're saying. Yeah, that's a, that's a great it, deal you're offering her, man. When you say it like that, NBC and the fact that they're letting people <laughs> watch it the next day is probably smarter. Well, it's definitely smarter, and I'm appreciating it for Heroes Reborn. Let me tell you that. Well, that's enough about this, though. I've said my Isn't piece. That- I think it's silly for se- especially the season premiere. I mean, if you do what you want with the other stuff, but season premiere, that's the important episode that you want as many people as possible to watch. So they get hooked in for the rest of the season. And I think it's silly to, I think silly and outdated and outmoded. If you say so, Mr. Progressive Optimist. I do say so, although I wouldn't call myself a progressive or an optimist, but yeah. So that's, that's that. So I think it's time for then us to move on. In other news, Netflix le- re- released another Jessica Jones teaser. Yeah. And I liked it because all these teasers have been telling me stuff I didn't know. Now, that first teaser, that the mood teaser, if you knew the character and knew the story, apparently it was pretty deep. It was pretty deep. However, I didn't. Now they're so showing she me just stuff. just was really strong. Well, now they're showing me that she's strong. They're showing me that she's waking up in the middle of the afternoon. They're showing me that she's just out on the street, walking around, you know, around midnight. And, spoiler, maybe, kind of, I don't know. She can fly. Well, in the comics, she can't fly well. Well, she doesn't, I mean, she flies up, lands on a... Lands on a, a a catwalk or not a catwalk, a, a fire escape kind of catwalk thing. Maybe that was more of a jump. Could have been. Could I mean, that's been. what Superman did originally, right? It looks like a flying though. And my thing here is if she's not flying and it's just jumping, then it is just kind of a super strength kind of thing. At least that's what I'm seeing. If she's flying, I'm curious. I'm curious how that's going to work. Because if she is flying, other than some of the Inhumans we've seen, I think this will make her one of the more f- most fantastical of Thor human flies. characters. Thor flies. Thor flies using a hammer that's magic. But he is not flying of his own, just mm. like Superman. I'm going to levitate up into the air and fly around. 
All right. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you've got Iron Man doing all his thing because he has the armor. You have Steve Rogers getting the super soldier serum, making him super strong. But, uh, you know, and reflexes and all that kind of thing. So it's augmenting what's already there. Same with the Hulk, augmenting what's already there. Um, yeah, and then uh, Thor is an alien who flies by means of a hammer. No, oh, Captain Marvel flies. But she's not, we haven't seen her yet. Yeah, you're right. She's not even, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, this is where I'm curious if she's flying, and I would really like her to be. I want to see some more powers and more cool powers than just dude cool powers come on you're watching tuesday nights well i said other than some of the inhumans we've seen but a lot of the inhuman stuff we're seeing it tends to be energy powers that are based on you know finding that 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 harmonic or finding that rhythm or and and so i'm wondering i i this this teaser got me curious about what's her origin that's that's really what this teaser did for me so yeah that's that's uh I'm I'm liking the teasers. They're just enough, and they're doing the job. What are they doing? Teasing. Teased we are. Yeah. So shall we move on and talk about this Let episode? Let us go, sir. This is a big episode, and there's just a lot of movement and a lot of quick stuff happening, but it's all there's a lot of character stuff happening, too. So let's talk about Oof. all that stuff. Just so much stuff. Stuff. Here we go. Mission report. So let's start with our teaser. Let's talk about our teaser. Uh, we're in 1839. We're in Gloucestershire. Gloucestershire. Be confident. Just be confident. We're in England. And we have this group of men who have passed around a basket and pulled a stone. And There's they're... gifts being handed and someone's going on a journey. Well, and one person has a white stone. He's the one who's been selected to go on the journey. They give him gifts to see him through the journey. And they shove him through a door that has the Hebrew symbol for death. <laughs> well, is that what was that on the door? Yep. There's a symbol on the door. I didn't think it was the Hebrew writing, though. I'm pretty sure it is because we'll see the symbol again. And I was reminded of the shield series that takes place over time where it's actually, I don't know, who, yeah. Leonardo you know, da Vinci I and... I, I was Newton I was thinking, okay, wow, we're Tesla. going back in history. This is interesting. This is very interesting. No, I, I pretty much. You didn't find it interesting. It wasn't bad. You're saying no, it's not interesting. It's not interesting, Ben. I hate this show. Are you happy? I'm trying to say what you're saying no to. Dude, I would have loved it. And there is a moment later where I was like, hmm, maybe that could be part of the secret history of S.H.I.E.L.D. as written by Jonathan Hickman. But this isn't that moment, especially again, Randolph reinforces the fact that he saw it in a door. Now, yes, we're going to see it in stone later in a few places. But again, Randolph even talks about the fact that the castle has changed since he saw it. Thing is, yes, I know this is not the Jonathan Hickman secret history of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I'm given the impression, I'm giving the feeling of we're looking at history of the MCU. We're looking at... Uh, this is this is a moment in time where our human history was touching alien history. I think it's not monumental, looking, but it is a cool I little think element you're looking for too much. I'm not even looking for anything. I'm saying this is cool. We get to see the past of the MCU. Anytime we talk to Randolph, he's telling us about the past of the MCU. 
but is we're it back there right now. Than ours, man. Daniel, it's not real. I don't even. I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't. This isn't pre-shield. This isn't pre-hydra. This isn't pre. It is M13. pre-shield. It is before well, shield. Be, all I meant to say was this is kind of neat, and it turned into a no, Ben. You're wrong. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say. Maybe that's the theme of today. <sighs> no, nope. I hope not. I You're hope not. wrong. Act one. Act one. We are with Daisy and Mac. They're having a moment together. And then Lance and Bobby come bursting through because Fitz broke into the monolith. And they come in. They pull him out. And as soon as they shut the door, it melts down and liquefies. Which, why didn't it do it while he was in there? Maybe we have a little bit of a clue that something is different now when they all come running in. But he has something on his finger. It's sand. And it's not just sand. He tells us it's impossible sand. It is proof of a portal. And we have a switch in attitude now. We go from Fitz. Man, you did your best. It's okay. You did your best. And the switch in attitude is, we're doing this now because we have proof that she could be there. It's been months, but we're still going to go for her. She could not be there. But there's something that could be there. Like a body. Yeah, that was uh, definitely a concern. She's been gone for three months, but they don't care. They're going for her. And what so, is she eating? she hanging out with Dr. Doom? These are questions, Daniel, that we need to have answered in a future episode. Especially when we get that final scene with her, you wonder what happened to her. Three months, we have to see this. It wasn't Club Med, man. It wasn't Club Med. <laughs> nope. You know, nope, I really but fortunately for impossible. her, it wasn't Club Dead either. But I love this impossible sand. Yeah. Because the reason to even start with it being impossible is the fact that it's in the room. It could be completely normal sand with nothing else about it as an attribute. But the fact that it's in the room says that this freaky rock thing is definitely got something unusual happening that's bringing things into the room. Because it's a clean room. Don't even have to dust it. It's completely clean, dirt-free. So for, for this sand to show up, now the sand is also like a billion years older than Earth. But beside the point. Just the fact that it's there is what makes it so impossible. Yeah. And so we split up. We have Bobby, Colson, and Fitz going on one mission, which is to find someone to help them with the portal because it's obviously a portal. It goes somewhere ancient. Lance is going off on a mission that Ward, he's out there. Colson knows what the mission is, but Colson doesn't know all the details of what Lance wants to do. And there's some element that he won't like about it. We'll find out what that element is, but um, we don't know what it is right now. And then Sky and Mac are going to stay for Joey's evaluation with Dr. Garner, Andrew. So there's our three missions that we have. But we do have a fourth element, a fourth character we're going to follow. And that is Ward. And he is in a car right now with a dude hanging onto the hood. And he's driving around in some sort of parking garage type place with people standing near all the pylons. And they are not flinching. They are just standing there as he drives through them. 
And then he proceeds to interrogate the person that was on the hood and asks, where's the kid? And this whole scene is really for Ward a mission statement. It is. Building Hydra, a leaner, younger Hydra. And the fact that those people are standing there aren't flinching while Ward's driving like a crazy man in a really fast car is the proof that they're worthy. They have, he uses the phrase, they've paid with blood. Well, they really haven't. They've paid more with patience and not urinating themselves. Oh, no, no, no. They've paid with blood before all this. I mean, they're there. These are his recruits, man. Yeah. And, and this is his. Do look at them. They're all young people. And the dude on the front of the car. He's not a young person. <laughs> he's no, he's not. He's the old order. He's old. And I get the yeah. sense that he's not going to make it through the night. Yeah, I also get the sense that he's going to give up the kid pretty quickly here. <laughs> whoever yeah, the kid that, is, whoever the kid is. And from there we go to Randolph laying low in jail after going on a drunken tirade, and they're asking him to leave the jail because <laughs> they need his help, and he won't leave. Until they threaten him. And again, this is fascinating stuff. Randolph, as Colson points out, can leave any time he wants. He's super strong. He's an Asgardian. But Randolph is enjoying the Norwegian penal system. He's having a, a good enough time. The library's well stocked. He gets food. There's no reason for him to live yet. Especially... Because in the MCU, yes, because in the MCU, with all these recent incidents, you know, that whole Ultron thing, now these alien Cree things, now these inhumans popping around. Randolph likes one thing, and that's to has one mission for himself, which is to keep attention off himself because he does not wish to go home. He enjoys his life on Earth. He enjoys his drinks or all the drinks. He enjoys his ladies, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Hey, girl. He does love life. He loves that a peaceful he's made life. made yeah. for himself. Yeah. And so this world, when you think about it, the MCU in its now new instability, its march to civil war, this is not a world that is Randolph-friendly. Because while I doubt that an Asgardian would be somebody that the government would be able to actually – take control of and then dissect because, you know, we do have a relationship with this Thor guy. He is also a fugitive. And I'm also pretty sure he's an unlicensed alien. Well, I think that no matter where you're going with him, he is not going to be doing well with the authority figures. So U.S. government, they're probably not going to be too happy about this alien guy who could be a threat. And the Asgardian government... You know, depending on where it is right now, when you consider who might be sitting on the throne. But even if it, you know, whoever's on the throne, he's not going to be welcomed with open arms after he's, you know, left and and left without, you know, leaving a forwarding address. Although Heimdall, I'm sure, knows where he is. At all times. I mean, that's the one thing is it's if Asgard really cared where he was at. It's not like Heimdall wouldn't be able to find him. The other really thing that I'm digging on in these scenes, other than, you know, this gentleman who's at least a decade older than me ripping off a, a jail cell door, 
is Randolph is an old friend. He's been with our team before. He's met them. And he's got some pretty keen observations, especially about Colson. You have changed. You're not the same person that you were before. And Colson mentions that times changed and that maybe he's had to change with them. But he is no longer the Colson from season one. I mean, this is the man who's gone through Hydra destroying his organization. He's watched one of his key associates betray him. And he's lost a hand. I mean, inhumans have been exposed to him. Our Coulson is no longer the Coulson that we knew and loved back in Iron Man. There's weight on him that was not there. He was more carefree back in those days. Yeah. Although he's got the he, weight of responsibility. And, and he's experience. gone through a dark time. And he's come out the other end. And that's going to change you. Is it going to make him, as our good friend Dr. Garner would point out, Desperate. Just desperate. And, I, you know, and this desperate theme is going to come up again in, in this episode. I'm just going to say this right now. To a doctor, he may not be act. He may not be reacting and acting with a mental responsibility. He may not be doing it without, you know, whatever technical term you want to use for it. But I think in the end of this episode, especially, it's proven out that sometimes a little bit of desperate is what you need to make the impossible happen. And maybe it's not a bad thing that Coulson's desperate. Maybe it's not a bad thing that he grasps for straws at times. Maybe it's not a bad idea that he at times seems to not have the resources that he needs to be able to get something done because sometimes what you need to get the job done is desperate. And I would say along with that, yes, desperate, but also desperate and optimistic. Like, I am desperate, but we're going to do this. We're going to work hard. We're going to try. We're not going to, you know, give in to hopelessness. And, and maybe there's an element of hope to desperation. I mean, des desperate comes from the word despair. But. If you're desperate, if you're trying, if you're pushing so hard to do something that maybe can't be done, why are you continuing? There has to be an element of hope behind that, that if you can succeed. So and that's what's happening here. I mean, this is ridiculous that they're going off on this plan based on, uh, you know, a fingernail of salt, but they're doing it and they're doing they're going after. It does make me wonder. They go after Randolph because he's this, you know, expert, quote unquote, because he's actually experienced these things. Fitz kept saying, I've done everything, you know, but why didn't they go to someone like this earlier? Or or go after Selvig, you know, or Natalie Portman. I mean, these these might well. be people that you would consider going to early on. Well, it's possible maybe they did go to Selvig and they did go to Portman. But again, Randolph is kind of not necessarily on everyone's speed dial. <laughs> he's in yeah, prison. But he is the right guy for the job. So this is our commercial break here then. And I just have to say, there was a lot packed in <laughs> to this part of the episode. There was a lot going on. It was fast paced, but it didn't feel it didn't feel heartless. It didn't feel 
uh, like just moving the chess pieces to get them to the place where we need to get them for the next thing to happen. I felt like the characters were carrying it. They were making their choices and they were doing things based on their motivations. They were doing things based on um, their relationships. And so it was brisk. It was fast, but I felt good. It, it, it did not feel like ah, we're just going through the plot. So we get into act two now. Here in act two, Dr. Garner arrives, talks a little bit to Daisy. Uh, we meet May and her father. Uh, we find out um, that something is causing the the uh, monolith to liquefy. And Randolph wants to know what is it about the monolith that is causing it to liquefy because it's not random. There's an element there. And then he realizes he's seen this, you know, word for the Hebrew word for death. And that's where he gives the line to the plane. Can I say that? Um, and then we go to a boat where Ward is, uh, he's found the kid. He's on this boat and they're going to go after him. And then we go and we actually end up in the castle at the end of act two. We're in the castle with our team and we find out that word actually could mean death by punishment. Uh, we find out that, well, well, we'll talk about it, but yeah, Dr. Garner and Daisy first. Daisy tries to butter him up. You want something to eat? Can I get you anything? Can I give you a foot rub? You know, you, you look like you could use um, just a nice, comfortable chair. Thank you. And thank you, Ben. Dr. Garner, being the psychologist that he is, recognizes that she is trying to butter him up for this evaluation. And then he starts asking her questions and she's, nope, uh-uh, you're not evaluating me. And unless you're asking that question as a friend, are you? And then they start having a conversation and Daisy asks about May. And yeah, where's May? And we find out where she is. But anything you hear about Dr. Garner yeah. and Daisy you want to talk about before we go over the to May? The big thing we have to caught here is, is Daisy's desperate. She's desperate to get this team going. And he's been the obstacle in her path. Yes, very and, much. And she's mentioned earlier how thin Shield is. You know, Hunter's gone. May's MIA. Bobby's out of the field. There's just a lot of pressure on them and they need they need staff they need field assets and right at the moment garner is the one blocking them yeah he's blocked what six now with joey well uh, five six something like that i mean it, there's a few and not a few. one of them I, have I, not one of them have have been met his approval basically he said uh let's observe them for another three months and then we'll reevaluate well it's because they're all terrified although he mentions uh, when they say Joey's scared, that's good. That's healthy. So that's that's a good thing that they're terrified. But they do need some time. I mean, they just found out they're actually part alien. And the world wants them dead. So that's, that's a new paradigm to live with. Uh, we'll come back to some more with Daisy and, and Dr. Garner. But then we move over to May and her father, who calls her Melly. Yeah. I was going to say Millie and her father, uh, you know, Melinda, Millie, it makes sense. Uh, she's golfing and she hates golf. 
and her father can't understand because she's so good at everything else. Um, but he also knows that something is not right. And she went on, she went on a trip with her ex-husband. Wasn't all that it seemed. And all of a sudden she comes back and she's daughter of the year. But the one thing she's not doing is leaving. It's more about, it's about more than his rehab. She's not leaving and she's no longer on vacation. I mean, we wondered, okay, are they out on vacation? No. Ex-husband's working and working for shield. It's, uh, she's not. It's kind of an awkward thing. Yeah. It's a little bit of a hot mess if she was to go back to the office. So that's all we get from her in this scene, but there is more coming. This was a nice little introduction, though, to uh, um, James Hong, I think is his name, the actor's name. He's been in a lot of things, but did you know this is a reunion of sorts? Come on, Daniel, you know this, right? What did he play in Mulan? I don't know what he played, but he was in Mulan. And I only know that because I was, I was trying to remember who he was, what his name well, was. Well, the thing is, is James Hong, and the reason I'm joking about what was he in, in Mulan, is he does a lot of voice work. Does he? Yeah, he does a lot of voice work. Well, I recognize him from a few movies. Most notably for me is Big Trouble in Little China. Well, a lot of times where you will have heard him as Kung Fu Panda. Oh. Yeah. But he's been in Star Wars The Clone Wars, Ninja, Ninja Turtles. I mean, he's in a ton of stuff. I mean, this guy gets paid. Some of the stuff he's in isn't good, like Ant Farm. Some of it's questionable, like Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated. But I mean, it's been- I've heard really good things about that. I I don't know if I would call it questionable. Well, I haven't seen it though. But I know I know I have a friend who pretty decent actually loves that show. I mean, that was appointment television for him as an adult. Yeah, but I mean, if you name a a, a cartoon, an animated program, you're probably going to find him doing a voice in it. Well, he's and a he likable presence. Chi Fu in Mulan. Okay. He's a likable presence and he's a nice foil actually for Melinda because he is just that uh I'm your dad. And if something's bothering you, you don't want to talk about it. That's fine. I'm going to figure Dude. it out though. I'm going to figure it out. He's he does a voice in Blade Runner. He doesn't the do a voice game. in Blade Runner. He was in Blade Runner. Okay, that helps. I mean, he did... Wayne's World 2? Doogie Howser, MD? I couldn't tell you about that one, but... Oh. Blade Runner and four, Big Trouble in Little China. Four episodes of MacGyver. That's great, Daniel. Let's get back to the, the show. Oh, he's in Brother Out of the Rose. I don't even know what that is. Oh, it's fantastic. Miniseries. 1989. David Morrell. One of my favorite books. I've read it three times. Awesome. Okay. Two episodes. Two episodes of the eighteen. <laughs> so here we are, and we move from them over to uh, Randolph and Fitz, and what 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 makes him really want to do this? This is nice. I mean, we're we're getting again. He doesn't want to go back. He was checking out portals and mysteries. Uh, way back when, because he wanted to make sure these things weren't actually going to Asgard. And so he's, he's investigated this kind of thing before in the past, in the distant past, uh, in the 1850s is when he went to the party. So this is 
you know, decades after they did the uh, the thing that we saw in the teaser that I thought was kind of interesting. And you were telling me that I should really slow down and, and calm down um, with my general interest. So he wants to destroy it. He will help if they destroy the monolith. And <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, he, you know, he's a friend, but he's definitely, you know, you call him a friend because he's a familiar face, but he is definitely in it for himself. Well, he and has one re- person he's looking out for and one person only. Well, but this is also why Coulson knows that he knows about portals because, again, the thing that's the biggest threat to him is portals. They go to strange places, possibly home. The funniest <sighs> thing is he tries to say he doesn't know anything about them. And then he starts rattling off all these, you know, phrases, scientific phrases that have to do with these portals. And like, well, you don't know anything about them, but you know these phrases, these words. Why do you know these words, these phrases? Because this is of general interest to you. This is relevant to your interests. Your interest being Which is portals. staying on Earth. Yeah. And this, that line to the plane, I really enjoyed that. Just the way he said it and... Just the kind of change, again, the change in attitude as, okay, I'm doing this, and you're going to destroy it. Okay, good. I'm in, and I know exactly where we need to go, and I know how we're going to get there, to the plane. It's it's fun. It's a fun moment. Not so fun, the boat <laughs> that we go to with the well, child, the kid. Well, the kid isn't like a little kid. We discover that quick. It's a trust fund kid. Mm-hmm. He's got himself a yacht. Big party. He's not allowed to be on Instagram or other social media, but he can take your picture. Wonder why that is. Well, we're going to find out why. And in this element here, we don't know. I mean, let's, I'm curious and I'm not even making the connection. It's the kid yet. I mean, they're there and, but I'm seeing, you know, a young man. And, and to me, the reason that, I'm thinking to myself, the kid is because henchman, Hydra henchman number one, makes the comment that, you know, they need to be about more than just kidnapping. There's other ways to make money than just kidnapping a kid. And Ward so is that's well where aware my of connection this. was. Yeah. But my golly geez, man, Ward proves himself yet again to be brilliant, a brilliant strategist, dumping that bag of rats, getting everybody off. <laughs> And then just kicking up, kicking apart, just beating down every henchman on the boat. And reminding us that he is, say it with me, a murdering murderer who murders. Yep, that was a big thing I circled. He shot a guy. He shot a guy for punching him. Which, at this point, if I'm one of those bodyguards, I'm going to go ahead and skip the pension and get out of there. Totally not getting redeemed. I am not staying around i am not going to put my life on the line for this kid i don't care how much he's paying me this dude who's coming in this is a problem (laughs) this is bad people protecting bad people from bad people and if i'm one of those bad people i am not going to stick around especially when it's a murdering murderer who murders walking onto the boat ward is quick he is effective and he has a he has a mission. <laughs> We're going to find out it's not just kidnapping this kid. 
From there, we go back to the castle, though. And this is where we find out the word means death by punishment. This is where we find out that, you know, he came, Randolph came there to investigate by way of a costume party. And (laughs) finds out it was just ritualistic killings, half-baked Satanism. It wasn't any, you know, traveling to another world or anything like that. But But to be fair, there was a fire dancer, you know. (laughs) Yeah, he 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 was easily easily distracted. As much as he wants to stay on Earth, I, I I get the impression that a pretty lady is going to uh, take away his 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 intentional uh, his his mission. The the thing that he's there for, it can take a backseat to the fire dancer. so <laughs> What are you doing, yawning? Like that was intentional. I am a professional podcast. I got to stop. We can't do that. Oh, come on. It was funny. If you say so, Daniel. So this is where we we get some lampshade hanging. We get some lampshade hanging right See, here. You call it lampshade hanging, and I just thought it was an interesting guided tour of a castle. No, the lampshade hanging is this. There's the word, not just in one place. And this is where Colson said, see, that's why I removed all the shield logos from everything. Yeah. And this is, and then Bobby says, there's a ginormous eagle on top of the plane, which people have been talking about. And we talked about, and he says, sometimes he just can't help himself. So, yep. Here we are, Daniel. This is what you call hanging a lampshade on it. They put the eagle everywhere. Secret organization. They're calling it out within the context of the story of the world, but they're talking to us. Basically, it's, hey, man, it looks cool. It's not like Hydra's not doing it, too. For heaven's sakes, did you see the the, the video <laughs> with the new shield, the new Hydra logo? Joy Casada? Yeah, yeah. The, the one that they posted from Marvel. Yeah. Uh, where where it's uh, Ward. Well, it's not Ward. It's uh, Brett Dalton. No, he was totally channeling Ward in that. No. He's he, channeling fun Ward. He's he's channeling fun, clueless actor. And he's talking about he needs a new logo. Well, they got a new logo in this episode. And it looks cool. It looks cool. Although at first glance, it looked a little too cool. Looked like the skull was wearing sunglasses. You realize it's not. It's actually just a two-tone logo. But Yeah. Yeah. Future's so bright, gotta wear shades in Hydra. So, ready to move to Act Three? Then we've got a yep. lot going on here, but this is our our last commercial before we get our big mid episode twist conversation between Andrew and Sky. And there's some deep stuff here that we need to talk about. Conversation between Dad and May. And there's some deep stuff here that we need to talk about. And then in the castle, they find a secret room with an ancient machine inside. And there's some stuff to talk about there. And then you have Ward. He's going to leave his you know, Hydra. Uh, what did you call him? Hy- Hydra agent number one. No, you call him henchman, number, henchman one. number one. Hydra henchman number Hydra one. Hydra henchman number one is going to be left there. With the kid, they're going to torture him for his money and his passwords and all that stuff. It's all electronic nowadays, buddy. It's not like people carry around gold bullion anymore. No, no. All you need is the password. 
It's all you need. Or you could hack for it. But, you know, rising tide doesn't work for, for Hydra. Uh, then we have, let's see, a conversation between Lance and May, which we will come back to. And then the big twist. So, I mean, that's that's act three. Lots of talky talk. Lots of talkity talk. So let's talkity talk ourselves about Andrew and Daisy and their conversation. This is where Dr. Garner says, you are reckless. Dr. Garner says, Colson is desperate. Dr. Garner says, all these people have been transformed. They have the potential to be monsters. Everyone on the team right now also has the potential to be monsters. And Sky reveals what her motivation is. First of all, things keep coming at us. And it's like punching a waterfall. Love the imagery there. I love the imagery. Fighting, punching a waterfall. But then she says she also wants people to show people that they have a place to belong. Get the Inhumans working with S.H.I.E.L.D. So it's not just like what her mother was doing. And then show these people that being different can mean making a difference. Which that right there is actually a good mission statement for I would say literally every person in the entire world because every person in the entire world is different from every other person. Uh, but you need to try and make a difference in the world. Use the gifts and talents that you've been given to make a difference in the world. And I'm liking sky in this scene. I'm liking her a lot. I believe this is the first time we get name check secret warriors. Mm hmm. So we we have that established. Daisy's talked about the team a few times. Kind of get it going. You know, need this field asset. And now we're really getting an idea that what Secret Warriors is, is this Daisy-led team. Just like in the comic book, Secret Warriors, made up of super-powered people, in this case all in humans, um, who will be able to do some good and be really a new family for themselves. You know, taking what Jaim was doing in in afterlife and making it active and doing something, but yet still giving support and care to each other. I think another huge big thing that we see here, which to be honest is a major theme in Secret Warriors itself, is the development of Daisy the leader. I yes. mean, Garner goes ahead and he he hangs the lampshade on it. You are becoming a leader, and really. Throughout a good portion of Secret Warriors, that's what we saw. Is we saw, uh, in, in this case, not Coulson, but Fury, mentoring her, challenging her, pushing her, at times lying to her, trying to make it to the point where she is a leader. Because she will, to be blunt, eventually replace him as the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Even though she's approximately 18 when it happens. <laughs> it's crazy. But really, I mean, that's a big part. If you were to say you want a theme from the Secret Warrior storyline that you could take out of it and then put into the show, the emerging leadership of Daisy is a big one. And and so I wouldn't be surprised. You know, we've hung this lampshade on it this season. We're going to see challenges that are going to be more than Garner's paperwork. I wouldn't be shocked if Daisy has to make the tough decision on someone not being a member of the team. Or a tough decision that could cost a life. Because again, that this is really 
a theme that existed in Secret Warriors and challenges that existed. And just becoming a leader isn't necessarily an easy thing. Mistakes will be made and hard choices will have to be made too. And if that Daisy's a leader, sadly, she's going to have to do those things. She's going to be learning, though, from Coulson. And I feel like she's in good hands or in a good hand. Well, I will say this. I feel like Coulson's going to be more compassionate than Nick Fury Sr. was in Secret Warriors. Just say it. He's yeah. a little gruff. That's the comics. Rough. That's the comics, though. I, I, I know. I know. But I'm thinking that the comic Daisy's transition into leadership might have been a little bit more rocky and painful than the MCU Daisy's will. So I'm liking I'm liking Sky's motivation, though, and I'm liking her mission statement here. This is setting up her the beginning of her arc for this act, this this uh, season. We move from uh, Daisy and Andrew to the conversation then with uh, May and her father. And this conversation here is not the deep, deep one. There's a better one coming or a more important one as far as, uh, you know, father daughter moments. But this is setting up that next moment that they're going to have. You're getting from the father that May is a lot like her mother. And I can't help feeling <laughs> got to be careful, dad, when you when you say that to your daughter, because daughters and sons don't usually want to be compared to their mothers and fathers. Um, especially when you're pointing out things that could be weaknesses, but it could be strengths too. Uh, but then we get a box of mementos of, you know, things that the father has held on to. And one is young May figure skater who was obsessed with Dorothy Hamill and who for five years from like age seven to age 12 put on the skates. And that's what she did. And then at age 12, she chose to go into martial arts instead. And her reasoning was, well, the ice was hard. And when you'd fall on it, it hurt. And in martial arts, you're on a padded floor. And then her father says, and you also got to hit people. And then there's an alert. May realizes someone is coming. And she's, this is where you're wondering what is wrong. She is on high alert. She's not just, oh, there's something outside. It's, I'm going to grab a knife and I'm going to kill whatever is coming in. And who is it? <laughs> it's Hunter. So, yeah, so that's our, our father-daughter conversation. And it's, it's nice. It's, it's a quiet well, moment and, and it's, it gives you some background into Melinda May's past. And I find it interesting. I won't say it's momentous. I won't say it's a gigantic occasion, you know, like, no, I, you do like, like I was accused of saying at the beginning. Uh, but yeah, this is, again, interesting and nice background world building. I think one of the big things, too, that this brings up to me is we totally, totally forgot to talk about the fact that uh, Hunter's left go after Ward now. And we had a nice conversation where he complimented, hey, girl, and he does like the fact that she's not in the field anymore. He does. Yeah, we did. We did skip over that conversation, which was apparently when you're dating someone, you don't want you their blood all over you when it's a bullet bed for you. That is 
Not it's good. just not a good date night, man. No, no. I mean, last time I had a date night with my wife and that happened, it just kind of put a damper on the whole thing. We came home early. It was just not, it wasn't good. It wasn't, it just wasn't a restful time away from the kids. So, plus we had to do laundry and the blood just doesn't come out. Um, yeah, it was a good conversation that they have, but now he's there and that's the thing. This is where it clicks. Oh, this is what he didn't want Colson to know. He's going to recruit May for this mission. So we'll, we'll get back to that because now we have a conversation. Uh, well, not a conversation. I mean, we have some re- revelations here. This is really neat. This whole scene I found to be just a lot of fun ancient technology they don't even know how it works but there's still power it's it's still working they're able to turn it on and there's you know a little bubbling energy and lights are coming on and uh, there's huge giant gears and weights and counterweights and i'm i'm watching and i'm i'm just feeling a little bit of of glee it's it's exciting it's fun and they say oh this is a machine that's designed to open the portal how do they know? Because there's this area that seems like a perfectly well-placed and the right size and the exact kind of thing you'd want to do to capture, you know, something that liquefies. It's a mini well. And they've got power and they make a call and ask Mac to bring the monolith in. And you're like, he's not going to do that. No, I wasn't. I knew he was going to. Yeah, he's totally going to do that. But Where's you, those high moral standards now, Mac? Well, you know, they cut away. And I'm sure there was more of a conversation on the phone where Mac, because Mac's the guy. I mean, he is the one who makes the decision about if that happens or not. Colson right. is asking, but Mac is the one who is supposed to be, you know, he's in charge of that part of S.H.I.E.L.D., really. So we cut away from that to go to Ward, leaving henchman number one to torture the kid for the passwords that we talked. We come back to Lance and May. And this is where you get some of what May's motivation is. Why is she there with her dad? Why is she stuck around with her dad, being daughter of the year? Well, there was a car accident, and it was a hit and run. And May thinks that it could have been Ward targeting people she loves. And so now I'm wondering, is she paranoid or is this the kind of thing Ward would do? See, I just don't feel like that's what Ward did. I just don't think that's what he, I don't think he's behind it. You think he's behind it? I don't. I don't. I I think this is Melinda being cautious more so than paranoid. I mean, maybe it's cautious bordering on paranoid. Uh, I could understand why she might think it was Ward, but that just doesn't feel like the way Ward operates. No, it doesn't. Uh, unless it's, I mean, that, he would do that kind of thing to draw her out. But I don't think he would do that, that kind of thing. I, I mean, he would only do it if it really could serve a purpose. And that purpose, I guess, might be revenge. Uh, he might do that kind of thing for revenge, but. Yeah, I, I just don't see that happening. However, it was a hit and run. And that explains why she is so quick to go to the knife. It explains why she has a gun in with her golf clubs. And then we find out what Lance's plan is. 
And Daniel, I gotta ask, his plan is to climb the ranks at Hydra until he can get close enough to Ward to kill him. I find this to be a little bit of a stupid plan. Your thoughts? <laughs> it works all the time. Bobby did it. Bobby did it when people didn't know who she was. You know, people hadn't like spent time. Like the one time. Hydra head that knew who he was is dead. Come on. I, you, does Ward not know Lance? I'm pretty sure Ward has seen Lance. Um, But if he does, I, I mean, they'll it, be close enough to kill him. Lance has, you know, because May says he'll recognize you if you get he's a close. half. He's a glass half full type of guy, Ben. <laughs> I don't know, man. Lance is, I, I, I get what he's saying. He's British, okay? I get what he's saying. He's saying if I'm close enough for him to recognize me, he's close enough for me to shoot him. I get it. Yeah, well... But True. at the same time, I'm just thinking this seems like a really poorly thought out plan. <laughs> I just I'm not 100 percent on board with this one. We'll see what happens. But yeah, but she's not interested. At least she says she's not. And then we get our mid episode twist. Oh, we haven't had a mid episode twist in a long time, Daniel. I mean, we had one last week. We didn't talk about it. But Daredevil didn't need the mid-episode twist. But here we have it. They bring the monolith. They set it down. They turn on the machine. It liquefies the monolith and stabilizes it. It looks like a pool instead of just like the splashing and dangerous, you know, wavy thing. It's And now we know what the scene in Age of Ultron with Thor means. Well, maybe, maybe not, but probably not. Yeah, it's staying open. It's staying open until it stops. I mean, the, the machine breaks down, basically. And in the process of the machine breaking down, uh, Sky is kind of not not doing too well because of the, you know, the vibrations. I, I guess she's picking up on the vibrations that no one else is picking up on. Um. But again, this is kind of fun for me to see this ancient technology, see it working, you know, see just the, the movement of the actual things. You know, this is fun to me. It was. It was. And I, in this act, by the way, in this room had my Hickman moment. Okay. In his secret history of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is the fight over the Louvre bunker. Because this room looks like the bunker underneath the Louvre. There's no bunker underneath the Louvre unless it's a secret shield bunker that's been there for centuries, Ben. Well, I like that Randolph is like, you're joking, right? You're putting me... Ah, now I have to go check. I have to go check the bunker. That's fun. It's. I mean, this is the other thing about this episode. It's a fun episode. They're doing fun things. There's emotion involved. And there's you know, evil stuff happening with Ward, but they're going off and they're, they're doing a mission. And, you know, sky was complaining at the beginning. Daisy was complaining at the beginning. We're down to three. Once these people go off and do their things in the field, we are in the field. We have Fitz, we have Colson, we have Bobby, we have sky, we have Mac. They're all there. They're all, you know, it's, it's a family. 
It's a family unit out in the field together. Colson's there with his cool hand. <laughs> his Luke Skywalker Return of the Jedi gloved hand, which I will always think one black glove. That's cool. One sequin glove. Not cool. But one black glove. You got me. You're cool. Okay. But anyway, it shuts down, closes up, and that's our twist. That it worked. It opened. And now we go to Act 4. Act 4, we're starting out with the machine right away. And Daisy mentions the pulsing sound is killing her. And Coulson says, what pulsing sound? And Mac is, well, how are we supposed to fix a machine? We don't even know how it works. And we go from here to a big, important scene. They're still torturing the kid, but he has a secret. Oh, man, does he have a secret. And from there, we have May and her father, and that's a big, important scene for them and a big, important scene for her, the beginning of her character arc as she has been taking time off and away from S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, we come back to the, the 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 kid again, and then we we have uh, Sky saying she's going to help open the portal again. She can do it. This is a fast moving episode, but let's go ahead and talk about the kid. What do you think? Oh man, the kid! This is a huge deal. His name is was it Werner. Werner. It is Werner. Werner von Strucker. Uh, that name should sound familiar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Baron von Strucker. Uh, he. So, okay. So let, let's talk about how we, we get to this moment, though. The torture is happening. You know, henchman number one is going to be punching him. Give me the, the codes. Give me the, the passwords, all that. And finally, the kid just breaks. <laughs> just took long enough. You will not do this to me. And I will you not know who I am. Yeah, you don't know who I am. I will not let anyone do this to me without I will kill you. And then he proceeds to really does he does he actually kill henchman number one? Well, we don't really see it. Now, do but we? it's a pretty bad beat down. Oh, he's definitely going to have some bruises in the morning. Yeah. And Ward comes in and says, hey. Nice. Finally. And the kid's like, you know who I am? And he's like, look, powerful family name doesn't make you, it doesn't mean you deserve respect. You earn respect. Oh. And then he says, hey, man, have a seat. I got some tacos. <laughs> and I'm reminded of Deadpool. Garrett. <laughs> um, well, this is exactly, he is definitely garroting him. He is, he is. He is grooming this kid to be what he needs the kid to be. And what is, and in this case, it's not just a, you're going to be one of my lackeys or henchmen. You've got a pretty important role to play. Now, we don't know what it is until our tag scene. But from there, we get a nice moment where, uh, Ward says to, Werner, your father kept you in the dark and died a meaningless. Oh, man. Lampshade. I mean, this is lampshade again. We all we all felt it. It was totally not the death he deserved. It was not. But you know what this does? This moment here 
not it necessarily makes it the worthwhile because now we actually can mock the fact in the MCU that this occurred. Well, not necessarily the mocking part, not necessarily even the lampshade lampshade part. It gives meaning to the death, though. The the meaning being your dad died this meaningless death, but you have an important role to play. And the important role, you know, obviously wouldn't be there if his dad didn't die the meaningless death. But to me, that meaningless death actually has a meaning now. They have assigned a meaning to it by using it as a, a motivation for this boy, this this kid, basically, <sighs> to act and to, you know, bring bring back the family name and and avenge the meaninglessness really of the death. The Streckers are back, baby. At least one of them is. At least Man, one of them this is. One, maybe this one won't get Boba Fetted. Or a Boba Fett type situation. But... <sighs> Whatever, man. So, let's talk about uh, the daddy-daughter date as May's father talks to her. Again, you're like your mother. You've got unfinished business. What's going on here? Am I right? Yeah. Silent means yes. Okay. And I like this line. There are worse things to be than your mother's daughter. That's a great line. Again, depending on the relationship between the daughter and the mother, you got to be careful how much you say, hey. Well, they did go into the same line of work. It's true. It's true. And then here's where he gives her the push, the call to action, if you would. I mean, she has denied the call to action, I should say. Uh, you know, if you're taking that hero's journey, she's crawled into herself. She is there to protect her father. But uh, he says, the thing that impressed me about you as a child is when you fall on the ice, there's pain on the ice, but you got up quickly. And she says, well, I was young and I'm not young anymore. And he says, my daughter always got back up. And you know, she's going with Lance now. Her father has given her that, that push that she needs to get back into action. So any, any, you have any more thoughts here about the, the dad and, and may. Nope. I'm good. Then let's move on to the machine and the room. The room is the speaker. The machine is the amplifier. They can fix this, but there's parts underneath, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter because we have sky. Boom. Sky can open the portal. She can do it. And let's remember, she heard this vibration before that others didn't. Is it because it's inhuman? Is that how this machine counters inhumans? I think it's because of her powers. Okay. I think well, that's I mean, her, possibility her powers too. are based on vibration. You're completely wrong, though. It's because it kills inhumans. Yeah. You can all hear it. I... It's that's the way it is until someone tells me differently, Ben, because as we've established, you're completely wrong in this episode. Who has told you differently? Me. But we're going to. Again, well, yeah, well, you're we, not really well, we can, of course. We can. Let's move into Act 5 then, because this is where it all happens. And basically have the climactic action, and then we have the, 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 all the loose ends to tie up. So, Sky takes the place of Daisy takes the place of the machine. She finds the frequency. It's working. Fitz needs a light. Fitz needs a light. I need a light. I need a better light. They throw him a flare. He shoots a flare down. And then 
you know, no, they're going to send a probe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, they watch Stargate. They know you send a probe in first and you get that camera, uh, signal coming in and nope. He jumps in. That's and, not science stuff anymore. No, that's not in. science. That's desperation. He starts screaming for Gemma and I'm thinking, oh man, he's just, he's, this is ridiculous. He, he's, he's lost it. You know, he's, he's going in and he's just screaming for her. She's been there for three months. She's not going to be nearby. She doesn't have a hoodie. And then she's okay. The hoodie thing. I I don't know if people understand the reference because not many people saw the movie, but we, when we come back to that hoodie thing, it's, it's Dr. Doom from the fantastic four movie that you shouldn't have seen because something like this kind of happened to him. But he jumps in. He calls for her. She answers. I'm like, what? What? I know. I was the same thing. I'm like, hey, how can he hear in this storm? And what? It's We know she's been moving around for some reason. She was hiding from something. How was she that close to the portal? And there's it's a windstorm. There's sand flying all over the place. And then... Coulson decides he's been, he's been in there too long. He's he's roped in because Daisy's starting to bleed. The yeah. machine's f- cracking him up. He he's he dove in, but he did have um uh, he had a carabiner attached to a cable that's attached to a winch, and so he jumped in. He's walking around, and the cable is pulling out behind him, and he does he finds her, he finds her, and their fingers touch. And I'm thinking, okay, he's going back now. Because their fingers touched and now they're going to get pulled away. No, he holds on to her hand. He's being dragged back into the portal and he's pulling her. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this is uh, this is kind of cheesy because he's going to lose her hand now. I mean, they're holding on. but And they they set it up. They play it. They edit it to feel like he is going to lose her hand. And (laughs) they're pulling him back. They're screaming at Gemma and, and Fitz. They're screaming at each other. And then the monolith explodes. Kabloom. There's and, black dirt and sand everywhere. And, and underneath, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, good. Okay. At least now she's not alone on the other side. You know, they get cut off the cable and, and, and Fitz is on the other side with her and he'll be able to help her find a way home. No, they're back. They're both back. They're they're underneath all of the all the dust and the rubble. And I wrote down in my notes, Daniel, do I like this? Because I don't know. Because it was too fast. It was so fast. She's only gone two episodes. She was gone two episodes, three months, though. And then we we get her rescue. And so I'm feeling like we're going to have an episode where we'll see what happened with her the whole time. Oh yeah. And it might be a, a dual structure kind of thing where we're getting flashbacks and, and following another story or whatever, but I, I, we're going to get that. But I'm just wondering, is there any importance to this other world then? Cause we've lost the portal. Well, you'd like to think so. I, I would, I, I definitely would. I don't know if I like how this resolved. It was so fast. I'm glad that they took it where I wasn't expecting it to go, though. That's one thing I will say is I'm thinking it's going to go it's do the, cle- the the cheesy cliche. Their fingers almost touch, but he gets pulled back. 
or they're going to do the cheesy cliche now they're holding the hand but she's you know he's pulled away from her in the storm speaking of the storm that's what i'm there's so much wind how is she hearing him how is he hearing her they say later on that she saw the flare that he shot (laughs) right okay that flare would have gone through that portal now you fall down into the portal in our world but the portal in their world is at between a 90 and a 45 degree angle. Let's say, you know, 80 to 50 degree angle. So it's coming out straight out of that. It's not going up. It's going out. It's going across. Yeah, that again, this is something that I'm thinking that's too much. I, I, I don't know if I like this, but I was glad that they went against what I thought they were going to do and brought her back. And it was surprising. It was so quick, though. So quick for us. Not for the characters, but for us. Uh. Hey, but do you know what I noticed? What? Along with the fact that they kept their promise and destroyed the portal, which makes Randolph happy. Yes. As we talked about good partner last week, first place Matt go isn't Turbo. It's to his partner, Daisy. It is. And he tells her he did good. It was a nice moment. In those three months, this this two has become a functional working pair. They are cops on cops on the beat. Yeah. So we go from there to the Zephyr. Zephyr one. Randolph asks, who is this quake person? No. Who is this Daisy person? And is told she's an inhuman. (laughs) Gets this shocked look on his face and says, I haven't heard that word in a very long time. And I'm just thinking, okay. I mean, it it is a word that is actually used in common conversation, but it's not a completely, you know, I can understand. It's true, man. I mean, there I was. Hey, Ben, did you hear? Cubs made it into the playoffs. It was like an inhuman act for that to occur. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, did you hear hey, there hey, was ben, more more beheadings for, on TV? Yeah, that's inhuman. Yeah, I've been like on. I've been married for decades now. That's inhuman. Yeah, to believe someone would be with me that long. So, but the 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 sentiment is definitely something that dude. Nobody says inhuman. What are you even talking? Jeez, being sarcastic, Daniel. I'm not. Being sarcastic. You think I'm agreeing with you? I was being sarcastic. Well, I knew you weren't agreeing with me because that would totally go against just you today. But anyway, he's shocked. He hasn't heard that word in a long time. I mean, the man lives centuries, but he hasn't heard that word. But um, he obviously knows what inhumans are. And he's a little nervous now because it's aliens. It's cities being dropped it's you know this that and the other thing and now there's also in humans um, i'm hoping we're gonna see more of randolph after this i'm hoping we're gonna see more of him we liked him before i like him now and then andrew calls may tells him hey simmons is back and she says that's great and he says hey you want to come back click she hangs up on him uh, what happened to them in those three months because he says, you know, you can come back. It's a big place. You don't have to see me. 
what's going on, man? What's going on with that relationship? Maybe she saw the picture. And it was a picture of her in an unflattering position. She was wearing it like a maroon dress. And as we know, she looks best in blue. That probably really upset her. (laughs) And then we have one more scene in this act. And that is Simmons. Simmons is in bed. She's sleeping. She sits up suddenly. Something has startled her. And she pulls this kind of carved, uh, not a knife, but... Let's call it a shiv. Yeah, yeah. Let's call it that. Primitive shiv. And she realizes she doesn't need to do that. She's safe. And she looks over to the side and there's Fitz. And she gets down from her bed because he's sitting on the floor sleeping. And she puts her head down on his lap. And it's another tender character moment. And it's a good moment. She's not rejecting him. She's not pushing him away. She's accepting the, the friendship. She's accepting possibly the relationship that they, they were flirting with before, but it's good to see. It's good to see. And now the, what I wrote down here is just what happened to her. Well, I wrote down a very different note. This isn't my observation, Ben, but I think it's an important one from the oldest agent junior agent in this household now Gemma is the one who's broken not him it's true so last season we dealt with his recovery this season we now have to look at hers yeah so from here it's a pretty smart kid I'm just saying no she has made a good observation a good character driven plot analyzing observation and you can tell her i said that it was good a plus for that mini essay about the themes that we're going to be dealing with in this season well if you validated her i can't agree with you so it's in fact rubbish the tag is basically that struck okay it's good Strucker's son is going to be garner's student so Lance is going to infiltrate Hydra and Strucker's son is going to infiltrate. Well, at least it, infiltrate someplace to be close to a member of our shield. But again, this Von Strucker is doing something active. The other Von Strucker was inside scenes and connecting material, but really didn't do anything. This younger Von Strucker, he didn't get to see a lot of his father's life. He gets excited when he sees the new Hydra symbol. He clearly believes that he is, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? He He's privileged that he people owe him, and he's willing to get his hands dirty, and he's willing to learn from Ward. He's being mentored, sure, by a bad, bad man, but he is being mentored. He is, and so here's the thing with that, and it's quite simple. It's it's that that opening scene where Ward was giving his mission statement about privilege and stuff like that, that this, you know, Hydra person who had been in Hydra for forever felt like he was owed. Uh, Young Strucker needs to be broken of that. He is not there because he deserves to be because of his name. He has to earn his place in Hydra and he's willing to. At least that's the impression I'm getting here because he's going out and doing this. That's the impression I have also. Um, 
the the final thing I would want to say then, I like the episode overall. We don't do ratings for the shield episodes. We could, I guess we could start doing that anytime we want, but, but if we, we did, I'd have to start making up fictional numbers. Yeah. Um, like number mo, but, uh, <laughs> that was really stupid. Sorry. <laughs> I found it. That's funny. my dog's name. Really? Hey. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, that whole thing about Simmons, I wrote, do I like this? They're going to have to make it pay off. Yes, they if are. they can make it pay off so that we have a reason for her to have been there and, and not just, Oh, it was something to happen. And this is the way we resolved that cliffhanger. Cause we had no idea where we were going. If there's a reason for her to have been there, and it feels natural, then I, I think this is where I have to decide. Um, I'm just going to go with it. And wherever it takes me, if it's a good thing, great. Glad I went with it. If it's not, that's when I'll kind of be like, okay, well. But we also have real life reasons why she has to come back relatively quickly, which is she got to get paid. She's regular cash. She's got to show up so she can get paid. Also, we're looking at half season arcs. At least that's what it seems like. And so, you know, half a season, that's that's only 11 episodes. I mean, we're we're 20% in. So. Yeah, any, any other final thoughts here about the episode? I Generally found my speaking, you like it level surprisingly low. I wondered. I wondered. Even even with the fingers and the stuff, I wasn't feeling tense because I just felt like they were trying to be dramatic. So I don't want to sound mean, but maybe it's because it felt like a device versus felt like story. You know, I kept going back and forth on it. Um, you know, if is this cheesy, is this cliche or whatever. But I will say, yeah, I didn't feel tense with that scene in the sandstorm. But you're right. I I felt the drama and the drama was earned. I, I did like the drama and I liked the acting that we were receiving. So, yeah. All right. So from here, Daniel, shall we move on to the field report then? And I give this rating of Mo. <laughs> nice. Which is not quite a seven, but far above a three. Yes. <laughs> Shield field report. All right, Daniel, we do have a number of emails that we need to take a look at here that All we right. received I'm from set. our agents. And I'm actually, I just got a couple right now that I just clicked send. They are coming your way. All right. First up, Agent Miriam. I have an interesting question about Lash. When he comes to the hospital, he said, where's the inhuman? I first assumed he was looking for Lincoln, but I'm starting to think maybe he was looking for Daisy. Lash is comic. In the comics, hunts down new inhumans. He thinks they're not worthy, but Lincoln has been an inhuman for years, was approved by Jaying to go through the Terrigen Mist, and he was an inhuman doctor and helped lots of inhumans. As for Daisy, she fell backwards into becoming an inhuman and fought with S.H.I.E.L.D. against the inhuman from Afterlife. That probably doesn't really matter, but I thought it was interesting. You know, it, I it would agree. It does matter. This is a good question. Yeah. yeah. And it is possible that, in fact... She, he was coming for Daisy, but Lash, he's hunting in Lincoln's uh, neighborhood, not in Daisy's neighborhood. Um, so, but here's the one thing I would throw out there that kind of goes along with what um, Agent Miriam is saying, and that is that I, Lash is not 
to at least as far as we know, I don't think Lash is a new Inhuman. It seems to me that Lincoln might possibly know of Lash. I don't know. Well, well, I don't I'm have any reason other than they were both Inhumans at the same time. Well, and I'm going to throw this out here. Throw it out. And you may not like it. I'm um, wrong. But the this... thing about Lash and what's going on with the post-Inhumanity event is Lash is actually not from mainstream um, Adelan. He's not from that community. We discover that there are multiple inhuman communities throughout the world. So there's a good a good chance, and this is kind of where I'm leaning, that Lash and Jaiing were not um, known of each other. Um, okay. And again, before Inhumanity, when new humans started coming out, Lash was not hunting old inhumans. It, he only really began his hunt and stand against Queen Medusa once the entire world was being covered in inhumans, much like we see now. I'm just saying, it seems, and we'll find out. We will find out. This is something that has to, it'll show up. I do wonder if we are going to end up then with, uh, you know, knowing of this Lash guy. If Lincoln is going to be able to, to give a little more information then of this guy who. Man, I I didn't know he existed. You know, I, I'd heard stories, but I don't know. We'll we'll find out. But I, I like the observation that maybe maybe Lash was there for Daisy. Uh, all, all right, right Ben. We we have another message here from Agent Thomas yes. about the newer normal. We're, We're finally, finally here. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm totally just gonna read, man. Go for it. We're finally here. This was a really strong season opener. There was a lot of awesome stuff that I'm sure you guys will talk about. The only stumble, in my opinion, is some of Joey's introduction into S.H.I.E.L.D. The whole science slash magic is scary and hard to fathom thing really works for me. Other than that, I like his character. That thing never really works for me. Other than that, I like his character. The show felt like it had a different tone, and I'm excited to see what's coming up next. I, I don't know. It works for me. Daisy was scared. <laughs> And she saw a lot of crazy stuff. Joey's just a regular guy. And to me, it would seem scary and a little terrifying. And we even heard about it tonight. It's healthy for him to be scared. Ben, what do you think? I, I agree. I agree. It's good. I, I like seeing human reactions to crazy situations. So, Oh, man. Agent Nate, he's sending a brief. Wait. We got something on Twitter, too. I'm going to read that real quick from okay. Agent Ray J. He says, I've got to say I clapped twice in season three. We've only had two episodes. That's good. Uh, he says, once when Daisy shows up in episode one to save Joey, then in episode two when Fitz and Daisy save Simmons. I will say I'm emotionally attached to those these characters now. And so, yeah, this is one person who's kind of addressing me my question of, do I like this? Well, Agent Ray J., Definitely says, yes, he likes that. So, yeah. All right. Agent Nate. Salutations, Agents Ben and Daniel. I love it when reports get filed so formally. <laughs> Your Daredevil coverage was great, but it's nice having Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. back and better than ever. Seriously, that was the strongest premiere the show's ever had. I'll spare you the gushing review since I already wrote one. But I do have some fan theories slash wishes I'd like to tell you about. When I first saw Lash in the promos, I thought he might be a resurrected and enhanced Reyna. 
We all know how death is treated as a minor inconvenience in comics, but when I watched the episode, I thought he might be the demonic villain Blackheart, which would have been cool since Marvel reacquired the rights to Ghost Rider. He's a frequent Ghost Rider villain, though he first appeared in a Daredevil comic. But then a friend told me he was Lash, which made sense for the show. And this is Daniel speaking. Yeah, in a lot of the early press on this, they straight out told us he was Lash and then told us about yeah, his comic history. Yeah. So we weren't able to play the game that we might have all wanted to play of trying to figure out who he was because they told us. Back to Agent Nate. Now as the place Simmons is trapped in, I realize this is wishful thinking, but could it be the negative zone? I know Ben says the comics don't matter. It's not what I say. <laughs> but in the Civil War comics, the negative zone was used as a prison for unregistered superhumans. Perhaps the Kree created the monolith as a portal to there so they could imprison humans. Given the public's fear of inhumans on Earth, more portals may be created. I realize that this is unlikely because Fox still owns the right to anything Fantastic Four related. But I will say it's just in 30 seconds it was on the screen. It was still a more interesting place than Planet Zero in the new Fantastic Four movie. Uh-oh, I might be risking another attack from Hoodie Doom for saying that. Sorry, guys. Anyway, if it's not the negative zone, maybe it's a reasonable substitute. Keep up the good work, Agent Nate. No, Ben... Yeah, maybe it is a fill-in for the negative zone. It's entirely possible, but I know you have your own theory that's yet to be proven. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. Next. Agent Kurt reports in on Laws of Nature. Gentlemen, good day to you. Agent Kurt, back again to talk some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Feels good to be back. Woo! I have a lot of thoughts on this episode, but I'll try not to waffle on for too long. Can I say right off the bat that this episode was awesome? It really hit the ground running and continued to feel more superhero-like with the incorporation of more comic source material and embracing the super-powered individuals, too. This definitely feels more like the show I had hoped for back in Season 1. Firstly, I have to agree with you about the effects of the fish oil and the fact that it doesn't kill certain people, but I also feel like that would be a little too lethal and complicated to handle for this show. I hope there's an explanation of why the inhuman crystals don't kill when fused with water and sea life. Secondly, there's Joey. I liked his powers in the situation he was in, adjusting to his new powers and realizing that the life that he knew was pretty much over after he had had that conversation with Daisy and Mac and saw the footage on TV. As for Joey being one of the early members of the Secret Warriors, I never thought about it. However, I guess that makes sense. Thirdly, Daisy is certainly more of the main character than Coulson is. And because of her history with Inhumans and being one, it's only natural that she'd be the one to explain what the deal is to newbies since Lincoln isn't around. I love her new look and confidence. She's gorgeous. Sorry had to be said. This is Daniel. Never apologize, sir. Back to Kurt. Oh, and Lash, that massive monster in the hospital, he was cool. I've seen a lot of Sonic the Hedgehog jokes online in comment sections, and I loved it. <laughs> Fourth. Coulson definitely feels more in line with season one. He's got more quips, he's more relaxed, and just seems cooler. I think he worked his way back to this state of mind in season two, especially in that episode where he teamed up with Ward. I wish they had given Coulson a proper robotic hand. I mean, he's part of S.H.I.E.L.D. Are you telling me that they wouldn't be able to craft him a fully functional hand like Luke Skywalker got in Star Wars? Also, Constance Simmer was great as Rosalind Price. She was smart, witty, and liked her personality too. I love the chemistry between her and Coulson. It was fun, and I hope that continues later into the season. 
Oh, but Fitz, that dude had the best material in this episode. This guy, he's such a courageous and wonderful man, and any woman or friend should feel lucky to have him considering the links he's gone to help Simmons. I loved how he went to Morocco chasing a lead on a small thing that could or couldn't help him get his friend back. He was taken by a man to a, a questionable to get what he needed, and even in the face of death, he was confident and uncompromising, and still got away using science and deception. He's true blue, and I loved it. At the end with Fitz banging against the big old stone, man, I felt the pain. It broke my heart. This is not the first time that Ian's acting caught me emotionally, and he. this is another moment to add to the Fitz rules category. As for Simmons, at first I thought, she's on the moon. And then I was like, wait, but there's no oxygen on the moon. <laughs> and then I thought, she could be on the main Inhumans homeworld. But I thought, there's no way the people behind the show would do that four years ahead of the film adaptation. I had a feeling that the Cree liquid rock would be capable of teleportation, but I wasn't sure. But hell, I'm happy you didn't kill my girl, Gemma. I love her too much to lose her. I have a lot of hope for season three, but all I really hope for is the return of Ian Quinn and the Gravitonium. Amen. I want to see Graviton. I hope I'm back in season one, and I thought he'd be too much for the show to handle, but need to exist in a feature film instead. But now with the show's focus on Inhumans and talk of the secret warriors, it'd be awesome to see Daisy and her Inhumans fight Gravitron. And maybe it's too much of a fan dream. Anyway, that's me done. Sorry for the long message, gents. But I had to try and get in as much stuff as possible. This is Agent Kurt out. I like it. There's good a lot stuff there. In there. There's a lot there. But it was good. Yeah. And we have another message, final message here. This is from uh, Agent Rico from, boy, it's been a while since we've heard from Agent Rico. Subject, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Season 3, Episode 2. Hey guys, it's me, Agent Rico, back and reporting for duty. I find Ward an interesting case. His targets seem to be more those who have been born into wealth, sort of how he was raised. He has a running theme with all of his targets. He commented about their vehicles not being used to their greatest potential. I'm interested to see how this theme plays out. Daisy's psyche evaluation has me thinking about her and Ward. Maybe it's not Ward versus Coulson, but Daisy versus Ward. And I like that too. That we're going to end up maybe with not, not Lance versus Ward, not Coulson versus Ward, but Daisy versus Ward. That's, that's actually a nice... Uh, evolution of their relationship. So, and the other thing hey. we we didn't talk much about the vehicles, but the vehicle being a a metaphor for Hydra. That was I I did like that a lot. Where you have this vehicle that can do so much, but if you just use it to Sunday drive, it's wasteful. Uh, sir Ben, we have a transmission from Agent Jessica. What? Yes, she says instant feedback. More mm -hmm. amazing than a quake during a sandstorm. Love it as much as the last one, if not more. I'll just say, and maybe people will agree, maybe they won't, but I'm liking the trajectory that we're on right now. That I feel like we have a positive season ahead of us, especially if we're going to continue going with this pace, but then also with this pathos. Pathos? Sure. Pace and pathos. Pathos. It doesn't matter. The emotion. The pacing and the emotion. The revelations and the emotions. So, yeah. I think that that's uh, it's about that. 
So All right. Hey, we do have one more thing we have to talk about, Ben. What's that? We have to give a quick thank you. That's true. That's right. That's right. Do it. And that is uh, a quick thank you to D- Delarone from Ireland for giving us five stars on iTunes. That is an iTunes review. Again, those really, really help other people find us. So we do truly appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very, very much. Uh, after the credits, we're going to do another Heroes Reborn report. All right. Well, that's that's all I have to say other than, again, thank you for listening. And Daniel, do you have any any words of wisdom that you would like to pass on or any any final words, final thoughts? Ben, just remember my motto. Sometimes I can't help myself with the cool. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Once again, thanks for listening, and remember, welcome to Level 7. It's not just a podcast. It's a magical place. All right, Daniel. Yes, sir. Chapter three of Heroes Reborn. Under the mask. Under the mask. They went full daredevil on us, Daniel. Oh, they did. They went totally daredevil on us. And I just have to laugh because as we we get Father Mauricio here, um, played by Carlos Lacamara. He actually is already a superhero because he is on uh, Mighty Med on the Disney Channel. <laughs> He's on what? He's on Mighty Med. It's a Disney Channel uh, show about a hospital for superheroes. Oh, cool. So he plays a lot of comedy. So this is – he's kind of hapless on that. So to see him here being wisdom and a mentor and – Pushing a young man to greatness, it, it, it feels a little different. I mean, he does push the young man to greatness on that show, too, but again, in a very comedic and helpless sort of way. So, so but yeah, it, full daredevil. We, we've got a luchador confessing to a priest without a latte. <laughs> yeah. And what I'm getting here is this is kind of – I'm feeling like this – season that they're giving us of heroes is what the best of heroes was, which was a lot of, uh, you know, revealing things about people, people having secrets from each other, people having, in this case, secrets from themselves. Um, and you know, shocking moments as well. But I, I feel like this is on track with why I liked heroes in the first place. And, and you know, there, there's the video game stuff that I wasn't real excited about. But then in this episode, they didn't they didn't go there, and you know there's lots and lots of questions, and there's I'm I'm interested in the characters, especially Hornroom classes, man Noah, 
I'm very, very interested in Harris. Yeah. Harris is a little fascinating to me. Uh, When he came on the screen the first time, you were like, this is a person to be taking note of. Uh, A person who, you know, why is prime after his name? Um, I was just kind of a little fascinated with him. And then we get the reveal of what his power is. I was like, oh, that is so cool. It was cool. And then that follow-up joke about the watch was, I, I, I laughed quite a bit. And I knew you weren't, you hadn't seen it yet, but I went ahead and, and put the joke out as, as a message to you on, on Facebook. And it's like, I'm not spoiling anything, but, and I just gave the line and, and then you got there. Cause there's and no, when I there's no build up to that. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to notice the watch and something's going to happen with the watch. Cause it just comes out of nowhere, but not out of nowhere. Cause it was part of this costuming, but yeah. Uh, but I think you're right. Um, when you say all the best things of hero season one, this episode here really begins to remind me of two things. One is X-Men days of future past, the idea of sentinels and identifying and tagging mutants, i.e. evos or hero season two. Well, in hero season, ah, is it two or is it three? I thought it was two. Cause it, isn't that where the writer strike cut it off halfway through season two is Adam Monroe. I think you're thinking of the, the, I thought Adam Monroe was chasing. season three. I'm talking yeah, about it, the girlfriend. They were in the future and oh, yeah, against them. And yeah. then, and then never come back to that poor Irish girl. She's never yeah, coming back. That was season two, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 But again, the idea that we've got this company that's got evil plans for people who have powers there's a conspiracy. These are all sorts of feels that go back to season one, even to the point where the evil CEO looks at one of her field agents and makes a comment about one of us, one of them, which again goes back to season one. That's where Noah started with his bagging and tagging, one of us and one of them, him and Paul. Well, and you're getting the impression, or I'm getting the impression anyway, Noah's Claude, going up against Claude. himself, you know, who he was. He's literally going up against himself from the past, but then he's also going up against an evil, you know, another version of of who he was before his his daughter, his Claire Bear, kind of turned him around. And and he's also dealing with who was he even a year ago? I mean, he's beginning to feel like he's working through plans put down by himself. Why was he there? Yeah, he's his own antagonist in a lot of ways. It's, it's a nice element. Um, the other thing is the relationships and the emotion that's driving them to do the different things. That I, Again, I feel like this is what I liked about Heroes in the beginning that kept me on through all four seasons, even though I didn't necessarily want to be there toward the end. Well, and, and I will say that one, another thing that does have me a little concerned, and I mentioned this last time. Is Luke Collins played by Zachary Levi? As I told, as I said last time, there has to be consequences for him. There has to be real consequences. Him and his wife are serial killers. Unless we were to have Hero completely go back and erase what the explosion out of Odessa and keep him from becoming a mass murderer, which Hero could do when we see him, um, there has to be consequences. And now in this episode, we begin to see him breaking down on why he's doing things and if he should be doing things and and there's relational consequences. Yeah. And and so I'm worried that they're going to try to redeem him. And I just don't think, 
I just don't think you can redeem him. Well, we'll find out. Oh, oh, and Tommy's power is cool. How they worked out what was happening there with Tommy's power. That was pretty cool. And the epic was cool. I was not expecting the epic to just be this device that's straight up. We're just going to use this to find the Evos. I'm thinking, oh, it's a it's Google Glasses or Google Glass or whatever, you know, because their their whole business is doing good is good business. You know, don't be evil kind of thing. Nope. We're totally straight up developing a device that's just going to be used to find these guys. What could but go that's wrong? That's doing good. That's doing good, though. Right, but I, I'm Evos are terrorists. I was not expecting that, though. That was a nice, a nice twist. And yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying this show. I, I am enough. I'm willing to spend five, six minutes talking about it with you because it's relevant to our interests. Well, I'm back next week, buddy. I'm All back right. next week. All right. So overall, I give this episode. Four heroes out of five samurai yeah. swords. I don't know. I'm enjoying it. That's all. Totally wasn't expecting that. I give it Mo out of uh, Mo. out of five. Mo, it is. All right, man. Good talking to you as always. Well, all right. no, actually, it wasn't. <laughs> there is. Wow. I, 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 there's some conflict going on today. We need, we need counseling. I think couples counseling, podcast couples counseling. Is that such a thing? I think it's maybe the new trend of the future. Maybe. All right, man. Later. Later.